So if you don't know my family, my wife, Casey, and I, we have four kids. We have three boys, Jude, Ben, and Braun. They are 16, 14, and 12, okay? We have a daughter named Kate. She's nine. She loves anything to do with arts and crafts, anything. It's, it's, I love seeing her creativity. So this year for Christmas, my dad, her grandfather, gave her a pottery wheel. Now, before you go and think, oh, the Nevilles are fancy, they got a pottery wheel. It's a kid's pottery wheel, okay? It's not that fancy, but she could not wait to get it out of the box. And lucky me, I was the only parent home when she decided to get it out of the box. My wife was on a grocery run, which is a really important thing in our house. But you got to know Kate. Once she gets something in her mind, she's going to do it. You can't slow her down. You can't stop her. And so she's like tearing through the box. I'm like, hey, shouldn't we read the instructions? I already done it. Know what I'm doing. Oh, okay. Um, Hey, why don't we watch a YouTube video? Dad, I don't need to. I know how to make pottery. I'm like, oh, here we go. Let's do this thing, right? (laughs) 45 minutes later, her, it started off as a tennis ball, okay? Had disintegrated into a puddle of sloppy goo everywhere. There was lots of disappointment. There was lots of tears. And this is the moment when my wife walks in from the grocery. I'm telling you guys, this clay was, it was everywhere. And my wife walked in. She's holding her keys. She walks in and she's like, I'm, I think I'm going to go back to the grocery. I jumped up, grabbed her keys, dropped in the, drove in the van away. I'm like, you're going to clean it up. I didn't, but I wanted to, right? You've been there before. Now, here's, here's my point though. My daughter, our daughter learned a very important lesson on this day. There are some things in life that require a process. There's a process. You got to have a starting point and some strategic steps to get you where you want to go. You can't just launch into it and say, I know how to do this, right? Processes are very important in life. Processes are important with poetry and pottery and relationships. Like everything really requires a process when you think about it. But sometimes part of the process is knowing when to hit reset so you can go back and start all over again. And last week, we started into this brand new series that we're calling Reset. And for, we want to use the month of January to hit reset, to refocus our mind, our minds on the priorities that we feel like Jesus has revealed to us as individuals and as a church family. Now, over these last couple of years, things have been a little crazy, but we have seen God move in some pretty incredible ways here through Genesis. But let's be honest I mean, here's the reality. So much has changed in our world, in our community, and in our church that it's been really easy for us to get distracted. It's been easy for us to take our eyes off of the goals that he has given us. And so we want to hit reset by revisiting as a church family these things that we say, these are priorities that he is calling us to. Now, if you've been around Genesis for a while, what you're going to hear us talk about are things that you hear us talk about all the time And it'd be easier for you to like sit like this and like, oh, great, here we go again. But I want to challenge you to lean in. If you you consider Genesis to be your church home, lean in and ask God, hey, what do you want me to do about this? If you're new or you're visiting and you're like, okay, well, what do you guys believe and what's important to you? That's what we're going to be talking about this month. And last week we hit reset on our mission. Our mission is to help people find their way back to God. If you did not hear the message last week, I want to encourage you to go to Spotify or YouTube. Dan did a great job of unpacking what this mission means to us and why it's so important. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul is writing to followers of Jesus in the city of Corinth, and he is saying, live your lives as ambassadors for Christ. In other words, in everywhere you go, everything that you do, let your life represent Jesus so that the people that you come in contact with will get to see and experience the love and the hope and the forgiveness and the joy that comes from knowing him specifically. So that is our mission 
But today we're going to hit reset on our vision. And vision is what we feel like God is calling us to become. This is a, this is a journey that we're on. And so our vision is to become a disciple-making church. Now, several years ago, we began this journey together. And there have been times when we have seen momentum. There's been times when we're like, this, it's, it's, it's happening, it's working. But we have also been distracted. We've been discouraged at times. We've taken our eyes off of this thing that God has called us to. And it's time for us to hit reset and to revisit what it means to be a disciple-making church. Now, this idea of being disciple makers, it comes from Jesus himself. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, we've got all the verses you're going to need on the screens. But in John chapter one, we're going to, we're going to see Jesus show us how he did this with his disciples and how we can do this as well. But before we get to John, I want to go to the gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 28, in his account of Jesus's life, in Matthew 28, he tells us that Jesus rose from the dead we learn from the other gospel accounts, Jesus was alive for 40 days after his resurrection. He met with his disciples. And in Matthew 28, he calls a meeting on a mountain outside of the city of Jerusalem. He calls his followers to meet him there. And Matthew is gonna show us the last words. These are the final words in his story of Jesus's life. I want you to listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Translation, all the authority everywhere, all the authority in the universe, Jesus says, belongs to me. Now that is a very arrogant statement unless you predict your death, your burial, and your resurrection to the day. And then you can say that because you've proven it's true, right? So he says, because all of that authority has been given to me, look what he says, therefore, as my followers, I want you to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now there's so much we could cover in these verses, but I want you to pay attention to that phrase, go and make disciples of all nations. And here's what I want you to see. This is not a suggestion. Jesus isn't like, guys, isn't it cool that I rose from the dead? I had this idea. You should try this. Why don't you go and try to make disciples? Just let me know how it works. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. He gives them very clear and specific goals about what he wants them to do. He commanded his disciples to go and make disciples direct instructions about he, what he wants and expects for them and for us. Now, in February, we're going to launch into a study through the, a year-long, uh, year-long study through the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we see this mission being lived out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to see how Jesus reveals a pattern that he had shown his disciples. It's a chronological pattern. It comes with some calls. It also comes with some specific phases of growth. And I want you today to lock these calls, these invitations into your mind. But I also want to challenge you to think about where am I in this process? Where have I stalled out? How can I take a next step? Now, remember, we said this earlier, a process means there's a specific starting point there's strategic next steps that you take, and there's an end goal in mind. That's true with everything. It's true with disciple making. But before we get into disciple making, I want to show you a picture. I want to give you an image. You're, you're very familiar with this, but this is how this works. Think about a fruit bearing tree, okay? A fruit bearing tree begins as a seed. Seeds are such amazing organisms. Think of all the life potential in a seed. A seed can sit dormant on a shelf, in a drawer, in an envelope 
for who knows how long. It's just a seed. But the moment you plant it in the ground, the moment it's buried, it has the potential to come to life in a brand new way. And what'll happen eventually is that seed will begin to shoot some roots down into the ground for a foundation. And eventually it's growing down and then it starts to grow up and it pops up out of the soil and you've got this little sprout. And over the course of time, a sprout becomes a sapling. It gets strong. It can withstand the temperatures and the wind. And eventually the sprout becomes a tree that can produce fruit. But here's the thing. Is the purpose of a tree like this to produce fruit one time? No, it's to produce fruit season after season after season. And all the fruit that it produces, it produces seeds inside of it. Think of, I mean, it's just untapped potential. In other words, a seed has a potential to start a forest, but it has to go through this growth cycle. That is true with organic material. It is true when it comes to disciple making. And so what we're gonna see today in the gospel of John is where and how Jesus began to lead his disciples through a process like this that they could repeat themselves. So in John chapter one, here's where we are. Jesus is 30 years old. He's just been baptized. Other accounts of the gospels tell us that after being baptized by John the Baptist, he went away on a 40-day retreat. In John chapter one, we learn he's coming back after 40 days to the place where John was baptizing people. And the only person that knew that Jesus was the Messiah was John the Baptist. All of those are important details. Now let's jump in. John chapter one, verse 35. We learn this. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he says, look, the Lamb of God. In other words, there is God's Messiah. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, you might be familiar with this story, but I think we got to stop and appreciate the details here, okay? That's a pretty funny, very awkward story when you think about it. John the Baptist was pretty eccentric. He dressed weird. He said strange things that made people upset. And in this instance, he's like, that guy's the Lamb of God. That's a weird thing for a man to say about another man in a public place, okay? But these two guys, they're like, oh, okay. And they just start following Jesus. They start stalking him. Is it ever okay to stalk somebody? The answer is no, okay, if you didn't know. That's what, they, they just start walking and Jesus eventually turns around and he confronts them and he's like, can I help you? Like, what do you weirdos want? And then it gets better. They say, hey, tell us where you live, right? This is like the setup for a Dateline special. Nothing good, nothing good happens from an interaction like this, but I want you to listen to what Jesus says back to them. Verse 39, he says, come and you will see. Now, I want you to repeat this phrase with me, come and see. Come and see, okay? I'm gonna have you repeat these phrases back to me because I want you to get these locked into your brain. These are invitations that Jesus makes and they speak to different phases of growth that we're all in. If you keep reading, here's what we learn. These two guys that were curious about Jesus that he invited to come and see, one of them is John, as in John that wrote the gospel of John. And the other is a guy named Andrew who we're gonna talk about more in just a moment. But here's what I want you to see. John the Baptist directed these two guys to Jesus. And we learned they were curious. And in their curiosity, they started to follow him. They, were, they wanted to investigate the facts. And Jesus says, okay, well, then why don't you come and check things out for yourself? Let's just go and let's hang out together. Now, just like those two men, all of us are created to be spiritual creatures. 
We're spiritually hungry. We're spiritually curious. We want answers to the big questions in life. And I think that some of us, we all start at this come and see phase. And my guess is that some of us here, some of us online, that's where we are right now. You're seeking. You're spiritually curious. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're tuning in today because you are made a New Year's resolution. And you're like, you know, I just don't like the way that I am. I want to be a better version of me. Or maybe a family member or a, a, a girlfriend, boyfriend said, hey, why don't you come check Genesis out? I'm, I'm kind of curious about this place. Why don't you come and see with me? I don't know. Maybe you lost a bet or somebody offered to pay for your lunch, but somehow you, you're here and you're curious. Well, that's not a bad place to be. A seeker is someone who is interested in spiritual things, but biblically speaking, a spiritual seeker isn't following Jesus yet. They're just curious. Now, that's not a bad place to be, but that's not where Jesus wants you to stay. Think back to this, this picture. John and Andrew, they were the seeds. They had all this potential for life. They were looking for a place to set their roots. They were looking for someone that could teach them about how life works. They were seeking spiritual guidance and direction. Let's go back to the story. John chapter 139, Jesus says, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Now, interesting, we don't know how long they were together. We don't know exactly where they went. We don't even know what they talked about. But John, who was one of these guys, tells us the exact thing that happens next. The very next thing that happens, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. This guy is spiritually curious. He meets this Jesus guy and he's like, brother, you gotta come with me. He found someone that he loved and cared for and said, let's do this thing together. I want you to find what I have found. So we're just a few hours into Jesus meeting his first followers. He meets two and two quickly becomes three, all because of this really simple come and see invitation. Now, again, we're all like Andrew and John. We're spiritual creatures, but we got to figure out where we're going to go next, how to take a next step. And I want you to hear me say this. If you are seeking spiritually, every question, every doubt, every fear, I want you to know is welcomed here at Genesis. There's nothing that you're going to bring to the table where we're going to say, you don't belong here. We all start out here. I want, I, we invite your questions. We're not going to claim to have all the answers, but you know what we're going to say? Why don't you come and see what Jesus is like? Let's investigate this thing together. And so I want to, if you're in this seeking category or, or you know someone that is, here's a really simple next step. Keep joining us on Sundays. Not only are we going to study through the book of Acts later this year, but we gather together. I think Genesis is a pretty amazing community with some pretty amazing people. You can learn how to worship God. You can learn how to pray. So keep coming and invite your friends. Say, hey, why don't you come and check this out? The people are weird, but man, they're so nice. You should come check this out. Another specific step for you is to join a group that's called Alpha. It's gonna launch later in February. We've got some great leaders, John and Heather Hughes. They lead this group in their home and it is a group that is specifically designed for anyone that is curious or skeptical about faith. And here's what's really cool. If you have a friend like that, you can bring them to this group and jump into it with, with them. You'll learn how, you'll learn the basics of faith. You'll learn how to share your faith, but you're gonna come, you're gonna see who Jesus is and you get to make the decision on your own. So everybody say this with me, come and see, come and see. Okay, 
So that's how the process of disciple making began for Jesus. But that's just the first step. The process continues in the very next verse in John. John chapter one, verse 43. The next day, not a lot of time elapses, a few hours. The next day, they sleep, they wake up. The next day, John, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding a man named Philip, he said, follow me. Say that with me, follow me. Okay, now we don't know how well Jesus and Philip met each, uh, knew each other. I'm gonna guess they knew each other a little bit. They had met before, but we really don't know. But what we see is that the day after having three followers, Jesus pursues a fourth guy and says, hey, I want you to come with me. I'm going on a trip. But this wasn't just an invitation to go road tripping with Jesus. The verb follow, David Guzik points out, when it's used in its full sense, means to follow as a disciple. So here's what Jesus is saying to Philip. Hey, Philip, I wanna invite you to reset your life. I want you to learn how to follow me so that I can do more with your life than you ever imagined. And what's interesting about Philip is he was past investigating. He was, he was ready to move. Now, I want to go back to that image of that tree again, okay? If seekers are like a seed with the potential of life, a follower is that little bitty seedling that's coming up from the ground. Philip must have been ready to put down some roots. He was ready to begin growing. In his book, Discipleship, Jim Putman says it like this. This is his description of a follower. A disciple of Jesus is someone whose willingness to follow him is evidenced in their love for him. And even though their obedience to him isn't perfect, it should be evident and growing. So unlike Andrew and John, Jesus must have known Philip was looking for a place to put down roots. He was ready to put his faith into action and it didn't take him long. Look at what happens next. Very next verse, verse 44. Philip like Andrew and Peter, were from the town of Bethesda. They were from the same place. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Verse 46, Nathanael says, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And look at Philip, oh, come and see. Does that sound familiar? He's already caught on to the pattern. He uses the same invitation that Jesus used. Now, for those of you that are in this follower category, that's not a bad place to be. That's a great place to be. That means your faith is in Jesus, but we make the mistake of thinking, well, that's the end of the journey. I'm, I'm following. What, what more is there? He wants to invite you to do something more. And so if you're, if, you've been follow, if you're new to following, you've been following for a while, what's the next step for you? Well, I think there's several. Here's a couple simple ones I would suggest. If you're not in a group, I wanna challenge you to join a group. We want our groups to be like small churches that meet inside of the larger church. They meet on a regular basis to share life together, to build community, to make some friends, to study scripture together, to pray for one another. When your life falls apart, you engage with your group. So that's a really tangible next step. Also, when you start following Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. And guess what? He activates gifts and talents and abilities that you don't even know that you have. He wants to use you in ways you could never imagine. And so that might mean that he's given you a gift to teach kiddos how to grow in their faith or students. It might mean that he's calling you to lead in lots of different capacities. He's given you a, a gift and you just need to put it, like you follow him, you put it into motion. But here's another important step for followers to take. We talked about this last week. You begin praying. You don't just think about yourself. You think about the people around you. 
So if you're a follower, begin praying, okay, Jesus, who are my few? Who are the people that you want to use me to reach for you? So say this with me, come and see, follow me. By the end of John 1, we're two days into Jesus's ministry. He's got five guys using those two simple invitations, very similar invitations that you and I can use. Now this third call comes a year and a half into Jesus's ministry. He has known these guys for 18 months. It's a story that's recorded for us in three of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're gonna look at Mark's account, but it was so important that all three of them wrote it down. Mark chapter one, verse 16 says this. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the same two guys we just saw in the gospel of John. They were casting their nets into the sea because they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, if you just sat down and read Mark's gospel, you would think this is the first time Jesus had met them. But chronologically speaking, they'd known him for 18 months. And it's interesting to me that Jesus uses the same follow me invitation, but now he builds on it. He makes a promise. He says, I want you to continue following me so that I can transform you from being ordinary fishermen to learning how to fish for men. And so I want you to say this with me, fish for people. That one's a little weird, but those are Jesus's words, not mine. Go be a fisher of men. Now, this is important because what we learn is there's more to just being a follower. There's more than just going to church. There's more than just reading your Bible. There's more than just giving your money. A follower is meant to transform into something completely different. Jesus is calling us to a life of transformation, not to stay who we were, but to become something that he wants to make us to be. So we not only follow Jesus, we willingly allow him to make us into something that is for his glory and not ours. Jim Putman says it simply. He says, a disciple of Jesus is changed by Jesus. When you come to faith in Jesus, you don't get to say, hey, I just, I want to be me still. He says, I want to make you a better version of you. I want to make you the you that you were intended to be all along with my spirit and my purposes in you. And when we come to Jesus, I want you to think of all the changes that he brings about. He changes our motivations. He changes the way we view people. He, views, he changes everything about us and it's for the good. It might be painful, but it's so good. We refer to people in this third phase as kingdom workers. Look back at this tree. This is that third tree. This is someone who has set their roots down. They're growing up and you can tell they're ready to start pr producing some fruit. They're ready to reorient their life their skills, their talents and abilities to help other people become fruitful as well. So what does it mean to be a kingdom worker? Well, it means that you stop thinking about yourself all the time and you're starting to say, okay, this person, I can help this person. I can help them learn to follow Jesus. And it's not just this person, it's other people around them. You, you start to think in terms of how can I create some come and see environments? What are some come and see invitations that I can make to help these people begin to follow Jesus? Maybe a next step for you as a kingdom worker, if you've been in a group for a while, maybe it's you step out of your comfort zone and you say, you know what? I'd be willing to lead a group. This is where my journey with Jesus started. I had just come to faith. I knew this much about the Bible. I knew that Jesus had saved me from my sins. And someone said, you should lead a group of college students. And I said, there's no way. That would be terrible. 
I kept saying no, and I kept showing up to all the meetings. And then they're like, hey, here's 12 college students. I'm like, this is a disaster. But you know what happened? God brought gifts to me that I never knew that I had. I had to rely on him. And all of a sudden I realized these people are hungry. And it didn't, I wasn't preaching to them. I was just saying, hey, what are we learning about life? What can scripture teach us about Jesus? Now that's my story. But what is he calling you to that you're like, I don't think so. And he's like, oh, absolutely. Maybe it's leading a group. Maybe it's finding a place to serve where you're not just holding the door or making coffee, but you're actually helping people grow in their faith. Beginning in February on Tuesday nights, our Noblesville campus pastor Steve Wallen is going to lead an eight-week training seminar called Multiply, where you can learn the tools to share your faith. You can learn the basics of disciple making. This would be a great next step if you're like, I want to be a kingdom worker. I've stalled out. I would encourage you to do that and then do something with it. But also, the same thing is true for you that's true for a follower. Start praying, who are my few? Who are they, God? Show me the people that you want me to reach for you. Now, if you think back to the tree again, I just want you to think of what happens. The seed has to be planted. In, in, in Christian terms, we have to bury ourselves with Christ and we begin to grow and grow and grow. But the goal is not just that we grow, it's that we produce fruit. Not fruit for us, fruit for God's kingdom. And this fruitfulness leads to the fourth call, this fourth phase that Jesus called his followers to. We find it in John chapter 15. Now in John 15, we're at the very end of Jesus's ministry. Three and a half years in, he has trained and equipped these men. But not only that, he's in his final hours. He's getting ready to be arrested and crucified and he doesn't panic. This is what he says in his final conversation with them. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It's organic language. This is the idea. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's going to be thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is laser focused on equipping and releasing these guys to make disciples. He knew that they were ready, but he even says this, look, here's what it comes down to. You can have a fruitful life with me or an unfruitful life apart from me. And he repeats the word remain or abide four different times just in that little section, which tells me, which tells us, it begins by you following me. And the longer we walk, the closer we walk together. You never go out without me. I'm always with you. You can't do it on your own. It's my spirit living inside of you. And then all of that leads to verse eight. This is the fourth call. Jesus says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He doesn't say, this is to my father's glory that you go to church and you're good people. This is to my father's glory that you check all the boxes and read your Bible every day. This is to my father's glory that you go and bear much fruit. Say that with me. Go and bear much fruit. Much fruit not just a little, and not for ourselves, but for him. He knew that his guys were ready. He was ready to equip. He had equipped them. He's ready to release them. Now we call these people disciple makers. This is our lifelong objective. As a follower of Jesus, if you want to know what he's calling you to, this is what it is. But when you think of a disciple maker, I want you to think of parents and grandparents. 
This is not a trick question. How does a parent become a parent? They have a baby. How does a grandparent become a grandparent? Their babies have babies. So from a disciple-making perspective, a disciple-maker is someone who teaches someone to follow Jesus and equips them and walks with them. And then that person begins to do the same. And it's a repeating process. Newsflash. This is the history of the church for the last 2,000 years. The mandate wasn't go to church and sing some songs and do that again every week. It's to go and make disciples. And when we get into the book of Acts in February, what we're gonna see is that the Holy Spirit came to do all the heavy lifting in us, but he wants to do it through us. This is how this works. This is what Jesus is calling us to. Now, I wanna say this. I do not want you to leave here today frustrated or defeated or guilty about, oh, I'm not doing this well. I don't know how to do that. That is not, that is not the goal. I want you to leave encouraged because God saw you when he created you and he knew that there's more potential in you than you could ever imagine. He invites us to take the seed of our life and to bury it in Christ so that we can grow and be fruitful for his kingdom. So this is an invitation. I am just inviting you not to do what Genesis is doing, but to step into the thing that God has created you, that Jesus has called you to do. If you're a follower, don't stop there. We continue to move down this path. Now, I found two verses in, the, in um, Isaiah that I had never seen before, and they speak directly to this. They, basically, they're foreshadowing the book of Acts, but they speak of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hear how Isaiah re- describes this. Isaiah 44, God says, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring in the future and they will spring up like poplar trees by flowing streams. In Isaiah 33, it says it like this. Isaiah says, when the Holy Spirit comes, deserts will be turned to fertile fields and fertile fields will become like a forest. Do you see the image? If we take the seed of our life and we get it out of the envelope and off the shelf and we bury it in Christ, can you see what he can do in us? What if he is calling Genesis to be a forest of disciple makers? As moms and dads and students, wherever we, I'm sorry, I said what if. It's not a what if. This is what he's calling us to. This is the expectation. And it starts right where you are. So here's how I want us to close today. We're gonna put up this image one more time. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead us through a guided time of prayer. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, would you just show me where I am for real? Don't assume that you're further down the path or that you're this way further. Just let him show you where you are. And then I'm gonna lead you in asking a question. Okay, if this is where I am, where do you want me to go next? And then we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask him to show you faces of people that you love and care about that don't know him that are, they're dying on the vine and they, they need someone to come along and show them how to do this. And so you can bow your heads and close your eyes if you want. You can look at the graphic if it helps. But here's the first question. Holy Spirit, will you please show me where I am on this continuum?
Father, I don't, I don't think we really understand how incredible you are. We don't give you enough credit because you have created us for eternity. Not just a physical life now, but an eternal life later. Our lives are just like seeds. And Jesus, you call us to bury our lives with you so that you can raise us up and make us something beautiful and eternal. And I know our church family, I know many are following you, but you didn't stop with the follow invitation. You said, I wanna transform you. I want you to set your, your heart's desire on becoming a disciple maker because somebody did it for us and you're calling us to do it for someone else. It's been the history of the church for the last 2,000 years. It's gonna be the history of the church until you return. So Holy Spirit, would you show us where we are? For those that are seekers, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do for them what you did for me when I was 20 years old. I didn't realize that you were just drawing me closer. You had me be a part of a great church where I learned some really good theology about who you were. You put some friends around me and eventually... I remember the day, I'll never forget the day, November 19th when you said, or I'm sorry, November 5th when you said, come and see Jerry. Would you help the spiritual seekers in our lives to respond? Would you help us to create some come and see environments, to start some come and see conversations so they could begin to follow? But for those that are following, would you help us to get up and start walking, to become kingdom workers that are fishing for people, Holy Spirit, show us where we are. Holy Spirit, bring gifts to life in us that we didn't even know we had and would you help us to use them here at Genesis and out in this community to make your name great. Here's the next thing to pray for. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now, who are my few? And don't shrug off the faces that he brings to mind. Whoever he brings to mind is someone that he cares about deeply. He has created them for eternity and maybe they're not walking with him yet. They are waiting on an invitation. They are waiting on a conversation. Maybe they are following, but they don't have anybody to show them what to do. And he's saying, I'm gonna use you. Maybe it's somebody you can't stand. He wants to use you. Holy Spirit, will you please break our heart for our few? Would you remind us we, we, were, we are somebody's few? Would you help us to lean in to this mission of disciple making? to be ambassadors for Christ, to share your love and your grace and your mercy, but not just be, to be kind, to speak the name of Jesus, to make invitations for people to come and see, to have coffee and say, hey, tell me what's going on in life. Would you help us all to be pastors and shepherds? Would we be shocked? Like help us to be magnets. You just, you just bring people to us and we're like, oh, it's, it's coming, it's happening. Would you help us to be a forest that provides the shade of your grace, the beauty of your creation. 
I cannot wait to see what you're gonna do in and through the Genesis family. Would you help us to respond to you every day? We have lost our focus and we wanna hit reset. Would you put our few in our path this week? Would you help us to commit whether we have one more day on this earth or a hundred more years to commit to this mission of disciple making? We celebrate collecting dollars to give them back away. That's great. You have given us a call and the potential in your spirit to go and save souls for the sake of Jesus. Would you help us to do that for your glory? Holy Spirit, we need you. Would you guide our every step? It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. That's the mission. That's our vision. If you wanna know what to do, it's that. If you wanna talk more about it, come and find me after service. If you're ready, um, we're gonna be launching groups in the next few weeks. Dan's gonna be at the blue tent in the lobby. Come find him. If you wanna find a place to serve, that's great. We'll help you do that too. But more important than all that, I wanna call you to go and to make disciples. We would love to partner with you in this. We're gonna be back here for a worship night next week. We hope you see you there. I'll be hanging out over here if you need to pray. Otherwise, you guys have a great week. We'll see you soon. Go make disciples.